The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGN Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Charles Schwab Challenge. As usual, I am here with my partner in crime, Tyler Tambaline, a.k.a. T3PO, a.k.a. the GPP GOAT, a.k.a. the Canadian Pitbull, a.k.a. TQ. Tyler, how are you doing this week, brother? I'm doing well. You're fired up for this one. I know you were saying after the last one, like, it's go time. I had to get back into the swing of things, but I'm feeling the energy, Kenny, and definitely excited, man. Some real golf is back. We got a lot to talk about. I mean, at the same time, we don't because everyone's talking about the same thing, how we really don't know what we're going to find with these golfers. But I think there's a lot to come out of that with strategy wise. We got a Millie maker, some amazing prize pools on DraftKings this week, uh, and then just some stuff around us with the listener league and all those things to talk about as well. Yeah, I mean, basically this week, we're going in blind. I, I think everybody who says they have an idea of what's going to go go on this week, is bullshitting you we are taking educated guesses this week hopefully it pays off because nothing like this has ever happened before you know this is a three-month break i think this is the first time this has happened since like you know there wasn't a fall swing like it's way way back like over a decade ago so it's definitely going to be new it's definitely going to be different but we're of course going to be here to help try and guide you through the process of course as you guys know we just recently joined roto grinder so they are uh, our main uh, our main dudes we, we love the guys over at rg uh did you want to tell them a little bit something about roto grinder before we get together yeah for sure they're going to put on a promo this week just with us joining the network we'll get to the uh, contest afterwards kenny and i actually forgot to do the random drawing beforehand so it'll probably be announced on twitter after we get off we will give you guys a little bit more time for anyone who didn't get to it yet but uh, that'll give anyone else a, a chance to get after it where we're going to give away that 555 dollar ticket to the clash at colonial on DraftKings this week but roto grinders want to put together something a little bit special uh put together basically you go to rotogrinders.com like normal if you just put slash degen d-e-g-e-n It'll bring you to a custom page where you can get $10 off your first month if you want to check it out, or you can get $50 off for the year. And this includes all sports, everything except NASCAR, basically. And it gets all the tools as well with their lineup HQ, things that I'll be doing some of my content with throughout the week, results DB, lineup HQ, things like that. So yeah, really great promo from them just to set it off for the week. And yeah, what, what else do we got to talk about here? Can you listen to league? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you got the list of league down. Go ahead and talk about that. Tom. Yeah, I want to bring it up with you guys just because a couple things have changed. So it's a little bit of a downer, damper, whatever you want to call it. But DraftKings has been good to us, and we have to appreciate for what we had in the past. Can't always keep it the same way. Uh, essentially, what they've done is they've just moved away from rake-free, besides with uh, Mayo, who's a sponsor, you know, sponsored by DK, and then whatever they get to replace the DFS edge is what they've told us when they get to NFL. They're going to stick to just sponsored uh, affiliates or people that are with them 
for those events. So they definitely respect that we still have a lot of people that want to play in a listener league. They've still given us and provide us with quite a bit. So nothing but thanks go out to them. It is still reduced rake. So it'll only be around 10% rake versus the normal 16, 17 for this type of tournament, but it's going to be the same style. We are sticking with it. We didn't forget about all the people that, you know, have won already. They're already into um, our group that I created on DraftKings, where they're going to be set up for the year end challenge, which will be some awesome prizes for that. Now with Roto grinders coming on board, Kenny still being with Gup's corner, things like that, but it's going to stay the $5 three max, the reduced rake, uh, and then essentially uh, this week we've got one more promotion from Roto Grinders. They're going to throw in three months free premium to this week's winner for the Charles Schwab Challenge. So all the same, the balance structure: twelve fifty to first, one twenty-five to tenth, last place or last place min cash, whatever you want to call it, doubles their money. It's still going to be a, a good listener league, guys. It's just a matter of what they can provide us with. And again, like I said, they've still done quite a bit. It is fully guaranteed. So let's fill it up. See how big we can keep getting, and who knows what happens in the future. But again, thanks to them, and, and it'll be a lot of fun this week, and thanks to Roto-Grinders for throwing in the three months premium as an additional bonus to the winner on top of meeting us in the three men and getting entered into the year-end challenge. All right, that sounds good. So speaking of this week, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a little bit of a break. We usually recap uh, the week before, if this is the first time you guys are listening to the pods, as we have joined the Roto-Grinders Network. Uh, we usually, you know, recap last week. We talk about that, but there is no last week. It's been three months <laughs> since the last event. We only got one round into the player, so we're not really going to talk about that. We're going to go ahead and start off with this week, which could be a shit show, just because of the way that everything has gone with the break. We don't know which golfers have played uh, a, a good amount of golf um you know and so on so we're, we're sort of going by but speaking of shit show uh let's go ahead and start this pod with story time with kenny i i've been saving the story uh for a little bit and and, and, and you know the word shit show is definitely appropriate uh for this story so we'll go ahead and uh, uh talk about this so i was uh i was on a third date with this chick okay we'll go ahead and start from the beginning and here's the thing for you single guys you know it, it was a third date um probably was going to my goal that night of course was you know to get laid and so you know the first couple of dates that we went on and this is uh, something that you guys single guys might want to hear uh you know I, you got to be attentive as hell you know when you go on those first couple of dates listen to your girl listen to the girl listen to everything you can and use that listening that we use what you learn from what you listen to uh, to try uh, to get her into bed. I, you know, that, that's what I do. Now, the problem with me is I stop listening after I get her into bed, but that's, you know, another story. And that's probably why I'm single and I'm four years old. So let's go ahead. So third date, uh, I'm with this girl and uh, we went, we, we, you know, she, during the first couple of dates, I find out that she's uh, from, uh, she, she was a Navy girl. So she lived in a harbor on a harbor her whole life. And she said she, how much she missed it. She said her favorite vacation spot was in Hawaii, which she went to like a, a year or two before we went on this date. And then she also talked about how much she loves seafood. So of course I took all that together and I planned this outing. Uh, and I know I'm just jumping into this story really quick randomly, but I mean, it's just because we have nothing to talk about from the previous week. So I'm just killing time. So here we go. So I take it to this, I think it was Baltimore Harbor. It is this Hawaiian fusion restaurant in Baltimore. I think it's called Roy's or Ray's or something like that. A really nice place. Seafood place, you know, take her there. She's really, you know, she lived in Maryland right across the border. So it was only about 35 minutes from her house. Drove her up, you know, had a great dinner. It was, it was sitting down, uh, you know, we're, we're about to order something. And, you know, the, the waiter is going over his specials. And he goes over this one special called Escalar. And I tell the girl, I never even heard of this. I work at a seafood restaurant, or I used to work at a seafood restaurant, but and I never heard of Escalar. He's like, it's also called Butterfish, and I'd never heard of it. And so I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and try that. And that's another great thing for single guys. You know, girls always like guys who want to try new things. It's a great thing to do, you know, to, to order something weird. And, you know, when you go out with a chick for the first few times, because it gives them the – uh, view that you know I'm up for anything which is always a great thing and so I try this Escalar it's it's Escalar it's called Butterfish it is absolutely delicious I crushed it it was a big 10 ounce steak fish it was it was great and so you know afterwards you know we walk around the harbor and make out a little bit uh, we, we go back to her house okay and so I'm on the couch back at her crib and, and you know we, we put on a Netflix she has this nice white couch uh, one of, it's not leather, but it's not like cloth. It's sort of like that slippery, like faux leather 
type of material on the couch. And you'll know why I'm talking about the couch here in a second. So, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm about to make my move, right? And all of a sudden I start slipping and sliding on the couch. I'm like, what is going on? And like my whole butt is wet. Like it's, it's like I shit my pants and I have, I didn't feel poop come out of my pants, but there was definitely something going on down there. Uh, and I have no idea what's going on. I'm freaking out. Okay. And so, you know, at this point in time, like there's no way I can make this move with like something coming out of my butthole uh, at that time. And I have no idea what it was. And so, you know, I, I, I get on my phone and I, I fake, you know, like I have, an, I'm literally slipping and sliding on the sofa. Like it, it's so embarrassing. She has no clue yet. And so I end up, you know, saying I have to go. I, I skip it because there's no way I can do what I want to do. And I, I like, I like turn to her and I like, don't show her my, the back of my pants. And I like walk out the door and I like literally run out the door and say, Oh, something came up. I have to go. And literally I look back and I leave this huge stain on her carpet I have no idea what the fuck it is and so you know of course i never get a call back from her ever again because you know, obviously it looked like i crapped my pants in the middle of the date so i went ahead and i had to go to my car and i put like a towel on my on the seat because i'm still leaking and i i go on google on my phone and i'm like what the hell happened and so the only thing i could think of is i ate something new so it's called so I Google Escalar, and the first thing that comes up is Escalar and anal leakage. I didn't even know food can cause anal leakage, but supposedly if you eat more than six ounces of this butterfish, you start like oozing oils out of your butthole. The worst, worst date ever, and she was beautiful. I was so angry about that. I never heard from her again. But, you know, so I ended up just having a horrible night, slipping and sliding all over this couch, and leaving this horrible stain on this, on this couch with this girl. And then I, so here's the thing. Never, ever, 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 ever order Escalar or Butterfish when you're out on a date with a girl, unless you're married. If you're married, it's okay. You can probably shit your pants and your wife can't do nothing about it. You already got a lockdown. So that's okay because it was delicious. But that's my, my time-consuming story. Uh, since, we, since we have a little bit of time, I felt like it was funnier when I talked about it in person, but whatever. We went ahead, I went ahead and did it. So let's move on to anything you wanna add before we get into this week, Tyler. Because I, I was just gonna, like I, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm just gonna cut it off at never ever eat Escalar. I'm married as fuck and I ain't trying to have any anal leakage. I can promise you that right now. So. Go, go, go ahead on your phone for you listeners right now and Google Escalar or Butterfish. And the first thing that comes up is anal leakage. It's like, I guess there's so many fatty oils in the fish that it seeps through your body and comes out your butt unannounced. Now, why anybody would want to serve this and, <laughs> and have it served at a restaurant is beyond me. I do not understand. It's like they were fucking with me. I have no idea. Like, why would they serve something that causes oils to come out of your butthole? It was awful, horrible, but let's go ahead and finish that story because all I want to do is kill some time. So let's move on to... The Charles Schwab Challenge from Colonial. So let's start off with a little bit of our course preview. Once again, for you guys that don't know, this is how uh, we do it every week. Course preview, stats, and then we go on to who we like this week in DFS. So let's go ahead and start. So this is the, the Charles Schwab Challenge from Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth, Texas. This is an invite-only tournament with uh, – this is an invite-only tournament with usually – only 125 golfers. This year, they actually bumped it up a little bit, I guess because of the break. So it has 148 golfers uh, this week instead of the usual 125, which of course makes it a lot more difficult than it normally would at the Colonial to get six to six through. Now, since 2000, this course seems to favor experienced golfers. Since 2001, the winners of this event have averaged around seven appearances at Colonial before their victory. Only eight golfers in 70 years have gotten their maiden victory here. Three years ago, Jordan, or three or four years ago, when Jordan Spieth won, he was the youngest winner at Colonial since 2001. And a year before, Chris Kirk had just turned 30 when he got his win. The youth movement has taken over the winner's circle here two of the last five years. But every other golfer that won here between 2002 and 2019 was above 31 years old, including Kevin Na last year. 
One caveat to this trend is the fact that the strength of this field is stronger than any other time in the event's history. Since most of the top-tier golfers in this field are in their 20s, it's very possible that the old guy trend ends this year, but we shall see. Uh, weather also plays a big factor, as it does in most Texas courses. The winning score here has fluctuated between minus 9 and minus 21 the last decade. The, re the biggest reason for this scoring difference is, of course, Mother Nature. Taking a glance at the forecast, it looks like it's going to be very hot and very dry with light winds all week. I can't remember the last time they saw rain. It might have been not even in June. It's been a couple of weeks since it's rained. So it's going to be firm and fast, and they're probably going to have to water the greens. Uh, make sure you check the weather report Wednesday night to see if there will be any advantages in specific tea time waves if there is some wind. As of now, it looks like it's not going to be that breezy. So we'll see how the scoring goes. And it just depends, I think, uh, on if the, if the wind is light on how firm they keep the greens. Because it, as hot and as dry as it has been, if they don't water them, it's going to be very, very tough to hold these small greens. So – Colonial Country Club is a 7,200-yard par 70 course with four par threes and only two par fives. The par five first hole is reachable in two by most golfers, and if the fairways are playing firm, the par five 11th could be reachable by the longer hitters as golfers need to take advantage of the rollout. There aren't too many eagles at Colonial, but these two par fives are still gettable, especially when compared to the rest of the course. Off the tee, golfers will see tight tree-lined fairways with bunkers in play on most tee shots and water a factor on a few holes. The rough isn't too high, but it is wiry and has a penchant for grabbing golf balls and sinking them to the bottom of the grass. Now, you know, it, it's, it's, in other words, it's definitely not going to be like a lot of these other courses that we've seen this year where you hit it in the rough and it's nice and fluffy on top of the, of the grass. You know, bad lies are the norm here. Uh, now, missing the fairways this week could be even more costly since there will be no spectators to trample down the rough in certain situations. Um, this is definitely a thinking man's course as it favors precision more than length. There are many dog legs making it much harder to just bomb drives out there. Golfers need to hit certain spots to have a clear approach to the green. There's a lot of overhanging trees. So even if they hit it on the fairway, if they hit it on the wrong side, they could be blocked from the green. Now, this leads to many golfers leaving their driver in the bag and a lot of tee shots, though John Rahm and others have gone against the trend as they have hit driver more the last few years uh, here. And Rahm has had solid finishes, you know, in 2017 and 2018. Now, the thing is, with the course possibly being baked out, I do think even the longest of hitters will be leaving the driver in the bag this week on a, you know, because of those firm, fast, baked out conditions and those type of conditions tend to make the fairways more narrower because you know there's a lot of rollout and the ball can bounce anywhere now on approach shots golfers will see small greens with a bit of undulation the greens are only about 4,500 square foot on average so it's definitely tiny greens uh, bunkers are prevalent around the greens they're normally set up in the front of the putting surface now these bunkers will catch slightly missed hit approaches and we'll see a lot of work on holes where there is a headwind the greens use bent grass, and if the weather holds up, they should play firm and fairly quick with a stint meter rating of around 12. The course is well known for a very difficult three-hole stretch, uh, holes three through five, nicknamed the Horrible Horseshoe. Hole three is a long par four with a big right-to-left dog leg that lengthens the hole even more. Golfers need to avoid the bunkers and trees on their tee shot and will have a mid-to-long iron on their approach into a smallish green with bunkers short, right, and left of the putting surface. Hole four is a 250-plus yard par three with an elevated green and bunkers short and left of the putting surface. This is the only par three on the course without a hole-in-one in tournament play, and they've been playing here for 70 years, and it can be more difficult with a headwind. The par four fifth hole is a 480-plus yard long, is 480-plus yards long, and is the most difficult hole on the course. There is a slight left-to-right dogleg, and golfers have to be supremely accurate off the tee as there are trees and a creek to the right of the fairway and a large ditch to the left of the fairway. Now, on the lengthy approach shot on five, golfers will have to deal with bunkers short right, short left, and back right on this tiny green. Now, in the last 35 years of tournament play, these three holes have played nearly 8,000 strokes over par, while the other 15 holes have played a combined 800 or so under par. Even though these three holes are at the beginning of the round, 
the tournament could be lost early if golfers struggle here. So that can cause a big sweat early on for you guys when we start off uh, this tournament on Thursday. Tambo, what are you looking for? What are you thinking about? Any strategies when it comes to what we're going to think about in this type of uh, week where we don't really know what to, what to expect? Yeah, I think um, ownership, and we'll get to that. We'll, we'll talk about it throughout as we go through the tiers, like always, which we don't have it specifically yet, but it'll be you know much more clear as it gets down to Wednesday, the night before, that sort of thing. And, and you know, I can't just, I don't just want to fade all the chalk. We'll sort of talk about that as we go through it. But a couple things do come to mind. I think one of them, first off, and you mentioned it, this field strength, right? It's much different than, I know the fields have all been strong, you know, you know solid, I should say, invitationals. But this is just totally different to have all these guys, McElroy, Rom, Thomas, Bryce, and all Kepka, DJ, you name it, to have all these guys here. Uh, some of them like, you know, JT Roy, first timers, you're getting all these different guys. And then you got the new age guys like Morikawa, uh, you know, Scheffler, some of these guys coming in that we're going to talk about. I think that some of these past trends could definitely still be bucked a little bit. You mentioned a little bit there with Rom with his driver still being able to go to it. I definitely think a lot of them will choose to club down and the dog legs make it difficult. But I still think that when it comes to talking about the reason you guys listen to this podcast and giving you as much information as possible, course history and stats long-term are important. But at the same time, they're more just information pieces on a week like this where you said we're going in blind. And really what it comes down to is how can you apply the information that we're going to provide in something like the Millie Maker or that 555, you win the ticket this week in the draw, et cetera, et cetera. So I think... There's going to be a lot more discussion around that with me, Kenny. And I also think that, you know, some things that come to mind, like if in this field, because the pricing is so soft, a couple of things that would stand out right away. One, the ownership normally gets a little bit more spread out. Everyone thinks because the first time back in three months that there's going to be a bunch more group think. And while that's technically true, I still think it's spaced out a little bit more because we still do have softer pricing available, which means in these clusters, they can't, tip, they can't pick them all. So it will get naturally dispersed just a little bit. You've also got a couple situations where guys will be essentially, you know, talked up, like we'll get to Jordan Spieth, where everyone thinks they're going to be chalk. And then it's, you know, all talk, no action comes in at maybe, you know, whatever, you know, five, 10% less than what people thought, which will change things around that. And then lastly, you know, is when it comes to just stars and scrubs versus balanced, I think a lot of people, you know, opt to go balanced in these types of events where you have this soft pricing and there's just so many guys from 9K or let's call Webb Simpson, who we know is going to be the chalk 9,800 and down. I think there'll be a lot of lineups that are in there. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of guys at 6,900, 68, all those ranges where you actually have plenty of room to build stars and scrubs. So I wouldn't shy away from that this week. And I think that's one of the big things that stand out for me. What about yourself, Kenny, when it comes to builds this week? Yeah, definitely. Like I'm, I'm looking more at long-term stats, like how consistent the golfer has been through the last hundred plus rounds, whatever stat model or you, know, you use either Gup's corner or rotor grinders or fantasy national, whatever one you use, I, I would pay more attention to the long-term stats and I'd pay less attention to what golfers did, you know, in the few events leading up to the break. Now, the thing is, for example, I'll give you an example like Daniel Berger, okay, uh, this week. You know, if you look at his long-term and approaches, I think are going to be really, really – iron play has always been super important. Iron play and putting is what this tournament is about, you know, especially because a lot of people leave the driver in the bag. So if you look at Daniel Berger, and I think he might be popular, uh, and I could definitely be a 1,000% wrong – Again, we're going educated guesses here because we don't really know exactly what to expect. But you look at Berger, I think he's like 60th in the field uh, in the last 100 rounds with his approaches, but he's 6th in the field in his last 12 or 24 rounds with approaches. So that means leading up to the break, you know, he was really on an upswing. And I think that it, it's a lot easier for guys who had that upswing going in before the break to come crashing down to where they normally are after a break like this. So and, and an opposite example of this would be like Morikawa, you know, uh, he's the best iron player in the last hundred rounds or so in this field. Uh, and he's the best iron player in the last 12, 24 rounds in this field. More than likely that hopefully will stay consistent and something to look at. So, you know, I would pay less attention to what golfers did right before the break, because, you know, it, it, especially if they had a lot of momentum going in, 
that break could have really killed it, especially if they're marginal type players. Elite guys, a little bit different. But, you know, marginal type players, the middle of the road, the middle tier type guys, you definitely have to worry about that. And I would base everything based on what type of golfer this has been throughout his career, through the last two years or some last year, last two years, than I would his last three, four events. So that's the one thing I'm definitely focusing on. Uh, again, I think course history is going to you know, play a little bit more uh, importance here. And you can see that when I lay out my cash game cornerstones and stuff this week. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families. But more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing healthcare, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. All right, so let's actually get into the tiers for this week. Let's start off in this 10K range on DraftKings. We have uh, Bryson DeChambeau all the way up to Roy McIlroy. How are you starting this week there, brother? Yeah, I think the uh, popularity will somewhat still always be there with Rory at the top, even though he is $800 more than Rom. It just seems like that's the auto click. If you look at, like I said, when people are going to look at what he came in here with, I think he had four straight or five straight top fives or something coming in um, and heading into the players. So um, I'm probably going to be underweight Rory. I would say my, my two favorite and, and underweight Bryson. Uh, I'm just not on that price for Bryson at 10-1. I am, you know, again, in my own mind here, what I'm doing is I'm valuing guys the way I see them. And it's just at price, I could just see for 500 bucks more, Justin Thomas, I like him so much more. I think Rory, JT, Rom, we've talked about in the past, are the three best in the world. I know that Kepka, DJ, all these guys that are up there in that range are, are great and have had their times where they've just blown fields away. And they could definitely do that again. And I'll mention one of them in a second. But as far as those three guys go at the top, I'm going to take the discount. So the two out of the four that I like are Rom and JT. I actually think JT pulls it off and wins this week. I just have a good feeling about that as far as, uh, you know, being able to play off a break. I'm okay with it. I've seen it in the past. Uh, wind in places like Hawaii and stuff, if the wind t- types to pick up, he can definitely still deal with that. Uh, best iron game, in my opinion, up top here. I-, I still feel very strongly about him. And with that $1,200 discount from Rory to JT, popular or not, I can still find ways to get around it. So I think he's the best price value deal in the 10K range. What about you, Kenny? Well, do, do you, where do you think Rory comes in at ownership on those four guys? I think Bryson's going to be the least owned out of those four. Yeah. But you think Rory will be higher on than Rom and JT? I'm no ownership guru, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think people are going to click Rom first off because of his course history and the fact that he has more like top tens or more wins in the last you know 15 events than he has when he finished outside the top 15 or some crazy number that I saw today on Twitter. Um, I, I think Rom might be the most popular guy with JT right there just because of that price break. I'm going Rory. Uh, he's the one guy that I'm definitely playing uh, this week up top. And if you look, you know, four times since 2019, uh, he played a course he's never played before. And he's never played this course before. All four top tens and a win at the RBC Canadian last year. So the new courses don't really seem to affect him that much. Uh, and I'm hoping that his ownership is a little bit lower than the other two guys because this is a great time to play the ownership game. Uh, and, you know, usually if you listen to me, I, you know, I play the ownership game, but I'm not, I, I'm a chalky guy. Uh, but this week could, like you said earlier, this could be the week to avoid that chalk because we don't know what's going to happen. Everyone's coming in here with this long break and, and the guys up top are so close to each other and talent, um, you know, with the stacked field that, Playing that ownership game, fine. Whatever ownership projections you guys get, either you know, Gups, uh, Roto Grinders, like I said, any other, any of those sites where they give you ownership projections, look at them closely and base your 
your, your GPP plays on that. And I think Rory's going to be the third highest owned in that group. That's what I'm hoping. I, Again, I can see not, what you're saying. Like, I, I can see where it's going to happen. Like you say, people go ROM because course history, that's bigger. JT right behind the him because yeah. he's saving the money. But at the bottom, I think Rory's still like 15%. I just don't think it shies away from that. If, it's, if it ends up being, you know, 20 for ROM, 18 for Thomas, and 15 for Rory, in my opinion, it's not much. It doesn't really make that big of a difference. And I'll also say it's not bouncing any of these sites. I'm, you know, with one, you're with one, been with them. Is that all these ownership projections are also going to be the biggest guesses of all time only be, besides the main chalk, like when we get to Webb Simpson in a second. But because of that, it'll, you'll still have to take your stand. And my only challenge, and back on you as far as the Rory thing goes, best in the world, absolutely. But at 11.8, and he has to pay it all the way off. You said he can probably top 10. That's not going to cut it at 11.8. JT, I like you know what you mentioned about Rory coming to these new courses. JT, two-time winner in January, coming off large breaks, 10.6. Definitely love that. Yeah, well, when was the last time Roy finished outside the top 10? Now, again, it's a break. Fifth, yes. fifth, fifth, third, first, third. He has to finish outside the top five the whole season. Almost none uh, of those so, cut it in this Millie Maker at 11-8, though. You better get there, Roy. That's what I'm hoping against. You know, I think he can still get Roy. And, and I think, like you said, that a lot of people are going to go balanced and play a lot of these 9K guys because the 9K guys – I mean, I'm thinking a half my lineup start with Rory, half my lineup start with two or three of these 9K guys. And I think that's – I think a lot of people are going to play that balanced type, type, type lineup. And I think you can't really go too balanced when you're paying almost 12 grand for Rory. Yeah. And I think, I think that might shy people away. And I could be 100% wrong. Rory could be the highest owner in this group. I, I'm not Brad Messersmith. I don't have uh, – who was our previous host? He was the ownership guru. I don't have those skills. But this is just what I was thinking uh, about the ownership. I'm going Rory. He's going to be my main play. I might sprinkle some JT uh, up there, and I'll probably hedge by fading wrong. I'm going to fade wrong, but hedge by betting him. Uh, you know, uh, betting him. So uh, that's the way I'm going to go up top. So let's move down to this 9K range. I'll go ahead and start. And Webb Simpson is going to be chalk, okay? But if you've listened to me long enough, I don't really care about ownership when it comes to cash. So, of course, Webb Simpson is my first cash game cornerstone. And if you look at his numbers, I mean, everything just points to him doing well at this course. You know, one of the top iron players in this field, one of the top putters in this field. That's what it's going to take uh, here to win. You know, you've seen crazy putting uh, here, and you've seen some wild, you some great iron play and a lot of tee to green play, you know, and he's up top on basically all of those. And another thing about uh, Webb is he's very good around the greens as well. Like, you know, even if he misses some of these greens because they are small, you know, getting it up and down top 10 in the field and both scrambling and strokes gain around the green. And he's actually first in the field in par four efficiency from 400 to 450 yards in his last hundred rounds. So first cash game cornerstone this week is going to be Webb Simpson. And this, if this is your first time listening, I do my cash game cornerstones every week. Uh, it's going to be my four favorite cash plays in different, uh, different pricing levels that I always play. It's, they're all going to be in my single cash lineup. Now, when it comes to GPPs, I like the lower half of this thing. First off, I'm not a big Kepka fan. I know a lot of people are talking up Kepka uh, this week, but if you look at his finishes after a more than a month layoff, his last five finishes after being laid off for more than a month, 34th, miscut, 24th, which is the tournament of champions, which is the bottom third uh, you know, he finished in the bottom third of that event, 42nd and 34th at the tournament in champions, which was basically almost dead fucking last. So those have been his five, you know, appearances after a, an extended layoff of over a month. It doesn't look that great. Now, I also think he could be popular too. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to go ahead and avoid, uh, avoid Kepka. I like Morikawa a lot this week. And again, it's going to be based on that iron play and that tee to green play and hitting a whole bunch of greens, you know, top 10 in greens and regulation in this field in the last 50 rounds. He's pretty good from 150 to 175 yards where the majority of approaches are going to come from at this event. So I like Morikawa and I think I'm going to go a little bit of Fowler uh, this week at $9,400. You know, again, his putting has been sort of letting him down here recently, but hopefully during the break, he got that down. He made some adjustments to his swing. And I think, you know, watching him in that charity match, and you can't really glean too much from that type of match, but just watching him, he looked comfortable 
with that swing. It did not look uncomfortable when he's taking it back really, really flat, uh, you know, on his backswing. It's a totally new swing, but I, I think it works for him. Um, so I, I like Ricky uh, in this for GPPs too, but I'm going to pepper this lower 9K range with, uh, you know, a bunch of these guys. I'll probably play Reed. Uh, and I'm going to play Justin Rose as well. Now, one more thing. I'm going to go back to Rory. Uh, you know, seven of his wins have come on pure bent grass. Uh, so, I mean, that's a lot of his PGA Tour wins have come on pure bent grass. And that's what we're seeing this week. Now, the, 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 he's also tied with Justin Rose, who has seven uh, pure seven wins on pure bent grass as well. Former winner here a couple of years ago. Form was not great coming in, but he got rid of Hanma. Uh, the clubs, I think those were doing him dirty. He wasn't playing very well. Uh, and he, he, he's back with some clubs that he's more comfortable with on a course that he's comfortable with. Uh, and he has some good mojo going. Uh, if you heard that him and uh, his wife are sponsoring a uh, European ladies tour, uh, where they're doing like a seven event schedule to get European ladies, because I think the, the ladies European tour is basically defunct. Uh, you know, you don't see very many tournaments from them. So, you know, he's got that good karma energy going for him. So who do you like in this range, Tim? Jeez, if, if that's the good karma that does it, Jordan Spieth better start his own PGL or something to get the young guys up and running and whatever he needs <laughs> to do to fix his game. But here, here's the thing that, you know, love, I love this range still um, talking strategy wise, you know, I mentioned talking, bring it into this a little bit at the top. We know when we get down to that mid-7K range, it's just going to get destroyed. So one thing I'll say about Webb, who I know you have as a cash game cornerstone, I would look at him as, you know, quote-unquote good chalk, even in GPPs. But what I'll say is this, I wouldn't mind if you completely faded him in something like the Millie Maker, because I think there is a lot of guys below him, whether, you know, Kepka's not my favorite, but you've got Xander, DJ, Ricky, who you mentioned, all guys that I sort of like that are upside guys, make for some unique builds. And then on the other side of it is, is if I am going to go Webb Simpson in some of my lineups, I'm going to make sure to build differently and try and skip over because I can tell you right out of the gate. And we'll, you know, some of the stuff will be like what I'm doing on Roto Grinders um, with the lineup HQ show that I'm going to be doing on Wednesdays this week. I'll be on with Notorious and it's going to be a great show. I think the difference is that, you know, a lot, as soon as someone puts Webb in it, they pretty much put maybe one more guy, either it's, you know, Rom or Thomas above or one or two guys down below that ends up forcing them right into that mid 7k range. And that's where the problems are going to be where it's going to be really tough. And it may work out. I'm saying with the problem, what I mean by the problems is that you're going to lean into a lot of very um, similar builds. You're not going to be very contrarian at all. And that's going to really give you a tough time at getting to the top of this tournament. So don't hate that. Still like web. I mentioned Xander, DJ Fowler, all guys that have some upside. Uh, don't, don't mind them. My first uh, pivot of the week is going to be, off of, you know, your boy, our boy. I love Sung Jm, but uh, here's the thing. Everyone's saying the same thing on Sung Jay. He grinds. We know that. He always grinds. Therefore, he has to be in form. He has to be this. Let me tell you this. There's a different angle to look at, in my opinion. And I- I'm going to go my boy Reed right there underneath them. Talk about around the green, solid. He was only getting better. He's been grinding. Guys have seen him down at courses. Again, doesn't mean anything, but in my opinion, just a, a strong guy. As far as upside goes at 9,200, Vegas likes him. He's three for three made cuts here. Uh, last time he played, he got a 15th. If you want to bring in just all the information stats. But here's the thing about him, the different look at it. Everyone assumes and knows whatever that, you know, he's the ultimate grinder, but he, he's also having his own. Think about, talk about long breaks to the guy that plays every single week. And now he hasn't played competitive golf for three months. That, to me, is on the same logic, should switch it up the other way. Uh, And he's going to garner ownership because people love to have him. So I think that, you know, I could definitely see going away from him makes another very interesting Millie Maker fade. And I'm not going to have too much of him. I think he might fit some of my early hand builds where, you know, you just sort of see what you can make. But when he gets down to grinding out later and optimizing out, I I think I might just fully remove him. And then you mentioned Morikawa, who... Really, if, you, if everyone remembers back, like you said, not only have his irons always been his thing, they should not go away. But at the same time, the one thing he just couldn't get down, if you remember his last few finishes out, was his putter. And he was still coming 25th, 26th, 9th, all these you know, finishes where like, he had no putter to be found. Couldn't get him right in showdown. Couldn't get him right in classic. But guess what? He was making every cut. So I don't mind him at 9,100. I think that gets off a guy like Rose, gets away from a guy like him, and still gives the guy with some immense upside. Sounds good. Let's move to this 8K range, Tam. Why don't you just go ahead? Yeah, so a couple, couple things going on in here. I mean, first off, we've got to talk about Spieth. Um, I'll get your take. And I'll, I'll click it right back to you, actually, after I, I give you mine. But I, I can't do it. Uh, I hear enough people talking about it. I never really do it. I think, you know, I forget who said it. Someone said it best, in my opinion, was, you know, I apologize for not remembering, but they said, you know, 
you didn't get it right the last 95 times. You expect in time 96 to go okay. I pretty much faded him those 95 times, and, and so I'm pretty happy with where I stand in the long term. If this is the time he actually does it to me. The other point I'll make on that, and this is opposite of what I'd normally say, is normally I'd say, okay, and, and you mentioned it earlier, I think, with Rom. But normally I could just hedge a bet on him, like 40 to 1, 50 to 1, whatever people have got speed at this week. But I just, I don't see him winning or even coming top five. So I actually don't like that. I would rather, if anything, take a small sprinkle on him in GPPs just because I do think he's one of the guys like Kepka who people are talking about would be a good guy to play here and could bounce back and show up and their prices are just too good and blah, blah, blah. But then people don't actually get down to it. Like I said, people think he's going to be over 20. He might end up being like 12 to 13. And it's not really a, a huge ownership on a guy like Speed, But, you know, I, I just think he'd be a better play at 8,000 to maybe make a cut for you and round out your lineup. Who knows how it goes? Then it would be to try and bet him. I just don't see him winning this tournament with how strong the field is. The other guys I like in this range are near the top. I mean, Woodland is one of my favorite plays in the entire field at 8,800. Uh, you know, near and dear to my heart. We were on him all last year. Got that major win out of him. Holding off a guy like Brooks Kepka. I really like him in this field at 8,800, you know, talk about if he drops the driver, we love having him on these um, club down courses that he can be a little bit more technical. So I do like Woodland. I don't mind Leishman under 9K. He's always the guy I'll go to there. Finau has upside. Um, but my other, my second pivot is going to be Kucher over Scheffler. And Scheffler was, you know, winning and grinding on this Merido local events that he was playing in and staying sharp. But it's really, to me, it's not the same as this at all, right? This is the PGA with a super strength field, heavy at the top. I get that he's only 8,400. You know, I'm not sure how his ownership's going to shake out. That could change it a little bit. But I would actually play some Fitzpatrick as well over him. So I like Kuchar first off there over him. Seen the course so many times. A cut maker, upside, all those factors go into it. I still like Kuchar. Long-term stats, as you mentioned. Just a guy that I'll always feel comfortable with at that price point. But my other guy I really like in here is Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, big thing on Fitzpatrick was... Just to me, it's the mindset. And again, I, I, it's, that's a motivation narrative. It's all just narrative stuff. I get it. But at the same time, the guy that like made sure was, I, I read the articles about you know grinding out his agent at the PGA Tour to make sure he got his visa, to make sure he got over here 14 days in advance or whatever it was, to be able to be ready, rented a place for five months. His, his mindset's got to be strong. Doesn't mean he'll play well, but damn, he's been playing pretty well coming up into it. And I don't know how popular he'll be at 8,200. He's the guy that sort of always seems to go overlooked. Uh, and then I'd even play some Usti. At the bottom, just because to me, he's the same as Spieth. Uh, one could miss the cut, one withdraw, same thing, no difference. But Usti should definitely come in at low ownership. And I always like his upside at 8,100. So first off, Kenny, that's a lot to take in. What's your take on Spieth? And then what about the rest of the range? No to Spieth. No. The guy's been playing like dog shit. I mean, why would you think he's going to come back? I, it's possible. But I, I'm not putting any faith in that. The guys just play. I don't care about his course history here. I mean, what I think could possibly happen is he plays well the first two rounds, he's in contention, and then when the weekend comes, he fades because he knows he's in contention. All that stress, all that pressure, because you know that shit's got to be weighing on him. Like, he knows that he used to be the best player in the world, and now he's not even in, like, the top 50 in in the world golf rankings. Yeah, one one thing I want to just say quick, and this was to to your point, you're right, and that's what I was seeing, and I I get that, you know, people just want to play him because, but how does the time off, you know, it doesn't really help him in my opinion, you you think about when he had some time off to think about things, how about the President's Cup, when he had to sit by and watch his boys win, and he wasn't part of it, that didn't make him any better, you know, things like this where it just didn't help him, I'm not sure how less competitive rounds help him come back and get his mindset right and be a better golfer, it's not like he was playing good before. I mean, honestly, I said I was on Mayo earlier this year. We were just talking about golf topics, and when Spieth came up. I honestly don't think he. I think it's possible that he doesn't win again for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, his the game, his his game is gone because his brain is gone. The the mental fortitude that Spieth had in his prime was the biggest factor of his success. It was like mini Tiger like mentality. Like the thing, except what, what Spieth was missing was his game, you know, Tita Green was not as good as everyone else, but he beat everyone else because he grinded it out. Mentally, he was stronger than everyone else. That was his number one strength, his mental. That shit's gone. I don't know if it'll ever come back. We've seen stuff like this with other golfers, Chip Beck, Ian Baker, Finch, David Duvall, you know, all these guys who used to be great golfers, and all of a sudden, shit just snaps, and they can't even swing a club anymore. This is where I see Spieth. I don't see him ever coming back. Uh, I, honestly, I know it sucks, and I know it's a large take, 
and I know he's young, but the, the, the biggest strength of his game is gone. And, and the mental part is the hardest part of the game to recover. You can get better with your strokes. You can get better with your putting, you know, that, that with practice and time. But you, but it, it, getting better mentally, getting that strength back, it, it's, it's, it's the most difficult thing you can do in golf. It's the most difficult thing you can do in golf. And Spieth, I don't think, has it anymore. So I'm not going to play Spieth. I won't play Spieth probably for the longest time until I see something that proves me wrong, which obviously maybe he could do. But I don't see it happening. So let's move on. Two of my cash game cornerstones are in this 8K range. I'm going to go ahead and start with the Aussie up top, Mark Leishman, at $8,900. The iron game has been strong. Really, really good around the green. Scrambling-wise, he's second in the field in scrambling in this, in this field in the last 100 rounds. You saw, you know, his game in the last six months or so has really elevated. I mean, he was struggling a bit earlier last year, but it's really been coming up, and he has great course history here. You know, I'm going to go stick with my older guys. I got Mark Leishman as my second cast game cornerstone. My third cast game cornerstone is Matt Kuchar. I hate the motherfucker, the fucking the villain, the thief. The, I hate him but that's not going to stop me from using him in DFS when it comes to money. Okay. So that bias is gone again. Great iron player, great around the greens, hits a ton of greens, good putter. I'm going to go with Kucher as my third cash game corner. So my favorite GPP play here, I got two of them. And just like you, I like Gary Woodland a ton. Again, a shorter course, a less than driver course. We've seen Gary do extremely well. AKA Pebble Beach last year, different other instances on these type of shorter courses where you leave driver in the bag. This could be his time. I do like him a lot. And I do like Fitzpatrick a lot as well. Again, another short course type specialist, uh, you know, where he doesn't uh, have to rely on the driver that much. He can just punch out his little hybrid out to the middle of the fairway, get it on. And hopefully he can make something happen. He's pretty good from 400 to 450 yards as well. So um, I like Fitzpatrick. We went two cash game cornerstones in that range, Leishman and um, Kuchar. So let's move on to this 7K range. I'll do my final cash game cornerstone. It's going to be Harris English at $7,500. Again, a great putter. Iron play was drastically improved this season uh, compared to last year. Third in the field in proximity from 400 to 450 yards. Good scrambler. Really good on par fours. Par four scoring is another stat that you want to take a peek at since there are 12 par fours on this course. So, you know, and and he's played this course pretty well. All the guys that I have in cash, older guys with good course history. And there was this thing where English played in a pretty competitive a Sea Island tournament last week, I think it was. He came in second place, tied with Jim Kirk. So he's had, you know, and that was there were some pretty decent names in that tournament. So it, it's not PGA. It's not that type of stress that he's going to. But at least he had some type of warm-up uh, to this event, you know, even though it might have been his home course over there in Sea Island. So my four cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be Webb Simpson at 9,800. We got uh, Mark Leishman. At 8,900, Matt Kuchar at 8,500, and Harris English at 7,500. This leaves $15,300 to finish off the rest of your lineup. Now, other guys I do like in this range. Again, I'm going with the old guys up top. I do like Kevin Na as long as he doesn't withdraw. That putter coming in, former winner here last year. Uh, he can grind, putt, scramble. Uh, he doesn't have – he's short off the tee, which was not going to really affect him on this course, and he's dominated this course, uh, you know, throughout his career. Uh, Kevin Kisner, uh, again, another guy who's played this course pretty well at $7,600. You know he's got to be a little bit pissed off. Uh, losing to the four bar stool guys, that's got to be embarrassing as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, he has to be motivated to come out here and show that, you know, I'm not a shitty PJ golfer who lost to four guys who work for Barstool. Uh, you know, I mean, so, I, again, that's total narrative. Uh, but sometimes, you know, in weeks like this especially, you have slim pickings to go and try and pick which golfers you want to use. Uh, who do you else? Uh, there's a couple of the guys. I like Domin as well in this range who do you like in this upper 7k range speaking of domin that's a good time to chime in i want to bring this up and it, I, I didn't see all the groupings kenny but they missed some big groups they could have had a brooks bryson group 
right? For that little battle, the battle of the six packs, they could have had a Kucher Sergio. You mentioned the villain earlier. They're both in the field. Pair them up. You could have had Domin and Kang, little cheater scandal that they had back in the day. And then you got Patrick Reed and Cam Smith, another group yeah. they could have had. With, yeah. And even and throw Brooks in there if you want. They, they could have had all these groups that would have made for, you know, I read today on Twitter that they're talking about miking them up and having confession cams and things like this. And they're really getting in the, involved in the media side. And I love to see it. But I just thought that would have been a good spot for, uh, you know, some of this stuff just to add to the, the drama or the action, if you will, when we come back. But I agree with you 100%. I think it was a mistake for them not to pair these controversies, the guys who have having beef with each other together. Because you got to think, this is going to be the first real major sporting event that we are going to, that America is going to be able to watch. You know, I, I feel like the ratings are going to be higher than they normally have. You're going to have a lot of casual fans or guys just checking it out just to see what golf is all about because there's no other sports. You're going to get the degenerate gamblers who have nothing else to gamble on going in and watching this and gamble to, to juice it up. They, I mean, people love controversy. That's what's going to sell. You know what I'm saying? It sucks, but that's what sells. And if you want to grab on and grab a hold of all these casual type fans that are probably going to watch this week, they should have made some of these pairings with, with guys who have beef with each other. I and just think, I think it would have been more drama and more storytelling. You know, when I shit on the matches a little bit and talked about it on the last pod, I said, hey, they should have had more people on, more storytelling. Well, guess what? Some of these things are insider things. Like, people aren't going to know about the Dom and Kang cheater scandal stuff. Yeah, but, but the announcers things, could bring it up. But they would bring it up. That'd be great for TV. Exactly. Like, oh my God, what great. is this? It'd be excellent to, a way to add to it. It's just a, you know, we hope and pray for the future. But yeah. Getting back to it here, Kenny, I'll I'll go through some of this. The one thing I brought up earlier was this is the range that's getting peppered, right? So you've got all these guys here, Hovland, Berger, Kisner, Nah, Dahman, English, Homa, Ann, Horschel, every name in the book. So just to name a few, my point is, I guess, more so that a lot of lineups are just going to end up in this range. So one of the ways to get really different out of the gates is just to avoid having more than, you know, two or more than, you know, or or, sorry, make sure you have less than two of these guys down here. Otherwise, you're going to get into very common builds. Um, some of the guys that stand out to me, Palmer, Berger, nah, you mentioned a couple of points on these guys, you know, Palmer being the local connection might get a little bit popular, but I think that's also another guy that people might talk about and then forget when they click guys like English and Benny Ann and, and, you know, Neiman and all these guys. So Kisner, Hovland, Homa, Domin, those four would probably be guys that stand out to me as great GPP plays just to throw them in there and mix around some of those versus the more common ones I just mentioned. Uh, this area also to me shows why I just don't love the speed play even more because there's just so many guys around him that can definitely outdo him and have been doing much better at golf than, you know, him for a long time now. So uh, I like that call. And then, um, you know, Ann Horschel English, you, you mentioned those, like some of those guys for more like the cash plays. My, my last and final pivot though, would be, you know, Neiman's getting a little bit of love uh, because of the course history here. I, I like Horschel. So he's like another read for me. Just a guy that nobody seems to ever want. You know, he can be a bit too aggressive, but can show up at times, crush. You know, as far as value is concerned, at 7,400, I think more people would go Ann there. More people go Neiman, Palmer. There's all these guys in there. And I do like Horschel. Uh, you know, Neiman's supposedly better on bent grass and obviously has a couple of good results here, but he's not like he was crushing it before the break either. So I'll, I'll go with Horschel as the long-term talent. Uh, and then dropping down a little bit, uh, Hadwin, McNeely, Poulter, Harmon, and Knox. Those would be the other guys. I'll just bang out some names for you that, that I think are solid plays. All have good upside, in my opinion. Whether they've got decent course history, played good before the break, or both, um, they are just guys that stand out. The one guy I want to ask you about, though, Phil Mickelson, 7,300. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to bet him at least. Uh, at like 100 to 125 to 1, depending on which book you use. Um you know, I, I think I gotta. I, I, I'm gonna play. I, I'm gonna at least bet him. Uh, playing him, we'll see. Because, like you said, there are a lot of great plays, like you know, in this range. Uh, so you know, I, I, I'm sort of on the fence. We'll, we'll see how it goes as I keep doing more and more research as the week goes on. But one play that I liked earlier, but sort of changed my mind uh, because of some things I read, was Ryan Palmer. Uh, I do think that he might be a little bit chalky uh, in this range. Uh, you know, maybe not. We'll see since this range is loaded. It could just even itself out. But there was a lot of talk. This is, Colonial is Palmer's home course. And I read a quote from Kucher talking about Ryan Palmer and how he uses so much driver, so, 
so much more driver than anyone else on this course. And I, I think maybe he can make a GPP play because of that. But the thing I worry about that is, you know, like I said, no spectators. Uh, so if you hit it in the rough, you're not going to get that trampled down lie. You know, narrow greens, which are made even more narrow because it's going to be firm and fast, which you know, I think unless they water the hell out of it. Uh, and, and I think with him being so aggressive on this course because he knows the course so well, um, I think that could be an issue. Now, could I be wrong? Of course. He can go out there and, and hit his driver, you know, five, six times uh, around, which would be more than everyone else, and, and, and hit it well and, you know, do well. But I, I just I, – I'm a little bit iffy on him when it comes down to it. But of the guys I do like in this range, I'm always going to be on Maverick immediately. If you haven't been listening long enough, he's been sort of my man crush uh, this past uh, the first three months of the year. He's been playing exceptional golf. Hopefully he can carry that over. I do like Abe answer at 7,300. Now, if you take a peek at Abe uh, and, and his top finishes, I mean, WGC Mexico finished 12th. Now that course with the elevation short, uh, you know, the American express, not too long of a course. Uh, uh, Mayakoba, short course. Uh, WGC HSBC champions, not the longest course. He finished fourth there. It seems to me that he does better on these shorter type courses. He is from he is from Texas, born in that area. So if he if he knows if the wind plays, you know he's good in the wind if it does blow. Um, so I do like Abraham answer a bit. Uh, going down a little bit farther, I'm a fan of Corey Connors. If you can just get that damn putter to go. I mean, if you look, he's he's sixth in approach, 10th in tee to green, and first in greens and regulation gained in this field in the last 100 rounds. Yet he's 143rd out of 148th in putting. Like, if he could just have an average putting day uh, a week at $7,000, he could top 20. Really, really easy. So, well, I hey, like, the last last time he had an average putting day in Texas was in Texas when he won the Valero Texas Open, right? So there, there you go. So, I mean, so so I do like Corey Connors uh, in this range a little bit. There is some talk about Brian Harmon. Will Brian Harmon be chalk because no. of, the, of of everything that we're hearing about him being? You know, he's been at Colonial for the last two weeks. Yeah, I don't uh, think everyone uh, is hearing that. We're hearing that in our bubble, but you're right. Yes, but I don't. I don't think so because there's too many guys there. Yeah, I, I, so, I mean, I think I might play a little bit of a Harmon if he's not going to be that chalky uh, because supposedly he's been grinding. He's been there. He's played this course pretty well in the past. So I do like him as well. Um, let's move down to the seven K, uh, 6K range. Tambo, go ahead and get a start. Yeah, I forgot a, a couple of those guys there. Just two others I got to add. I, one was Connors, who you mentioned. Uh, and then Furyk. I'm, I'm still in on Furyk. I don't, I, like, I'm almost always on him, I know, but I, I still like him. At 7,100, I just think, you know, seen the course so many times, he's going to be that guy. And we, you know, we, Elephant in the Room, I guess, is still there. It is top 65 with cuts still. So, we, you know, we saw how that went before this long layoff. And sometimes, you know, six out of six means a lot more than, you know, what you think. It's hard to get these six out of sixes now. And he's a guy that typically can make a cut for you and get there. So uh, I do like him. And then my last, you know, my, my own man crush that I can never let go is Emiliano Grillo at 7,100. So definitely going to be playing him. Uh, probably a bet on him too at 150 to one, but yeah, going down a couple other guys here, next range, you get into sort of that top of the 60, you know, that $6,900 range. You've got Lanto Griffin, RCB, Howell, Matthew Neesmith, Varner, uh, all those guys, a couple that stand out would be Lanto, um, RCB and Varner. And then just underneath them, I like Collie going down a little the one i do like jeff ulrich posted it at the fantasy grind about i I forgot all about this but remember when brendan todd got snubbed last year for drew love and then brendan todd went on twitter and was like i think it was like uh you know quote unquote highly qualified invitees doing so well or something like that like he's like basically saying i couldn't get in but you get this guy and i think drew love shot like a 76 and an 80 to miss the cut and it was a chance for him and then obviously todd had a great year after that and went on to get a couple wins i don't think he's that same form or that same, you know, upside, but at 6,800, he's definitely a good play in GPPs. And then one more tier down again, just these are upside guys and, and I'll let you round it out, but cam champ, anytime, any place, Bo Hostler starting to get a step back. Texas guy. Don't mind him. I'll, I'll take him there. Uh, cam Davis, who just got added. A couple guys just got added to the field to round out the last two cam Davis, 6,500. Uh, and then Josh Teeter, at 6,000 dead, dead even, I'm definitely going to play a little bit of him uh, just based on, you know, upside again at 6,000. Can he make a cut? Yes. Can he compete? Yes. He's seen the course. Last time out here, he actually got a 17th 
Um, so, I mean, he's, he's in a good spot. And then, you know, one of his last finishes out was a second to Hovland who made that huge putt in the alternate event. So uh, I don't mind him at 6,000 either. What do you got down in this 6K range, Kenny? Yes. So it looks like there's like 90 guys in the 6K range. So, I mean, somebody is going to come out from here and do well. What I'm going to do strategy-wise when it comes to this range is I'm going to play – I usually play anywhere from like 9 to 12 guys in the 6K range. When I make, I make 70 to 100 GPP lineups. And so usually like I have like 30 to 35 golfers uh, that I use in my pool each week. And I'd say around 10 to 12 are always in the 6K range. I'm probably going to bump that up to about 15 this week and I'm going to spread them out. The way I do it is I don't use more than, I don't use less than 10% of anyone and I don't use more than 50% of anyone. So I'm going to have a lot of 10 percenters uh, in this 5k range or in the 6k range. Um, one guy I did forget Charlie Hoffman at 7k before I go down. I do like him, but uh, I'm a fan of CT pan uh, in this range. Uh, another short course type of dude, uh, you know, good scrambler. So, yeah, I'm a fan of C.T. Pan. Uh, I think he's had a top five finish here recently in the last few years. Uh, so, I, you know, he has that history going for him. I do like RCB. If he can get that putter going, that's the one thing that's been sort of holding him back. Uh, usually, he's you, you think of him, he's one of the better putters out there, at least he used to be. If he can get that putting back, you know, hopefully he can get in and do pretty well here. He's really good from 400 to 450 yards, seventh in this field uh, in the last 100 rounds. I like Lanto just like you. I really love Bud Colley. Uh, one of the best scramblers and his short game specialist in this field. And his iron play is pretty damn good. I mean, if you look at his tee to green and his irons, uh, I think he has the best ranking out of anyone in the last, in the 6K range in the last 100 rounds. And of course, I'm definitely going more long term, uh, which is a little different for me. I like the short, I like the recent form because I think guys can build on it, but there's nothing to build on now. So you got to go on a little bit deeper. But I do like Bud Colley a lot. Uh, other guys in this range, Kevin Tway, who has great course history here. Um, I do like your uh, Bo Hostler take. I'll be using him, a Texan. Uh, he's used to this type of weather when it's hot. Um, and then uh, going down a little bit more, Bill Haas down uh, really low. I think 6,100. Uh, he's another guy who's been play, who's played this course a million times, one of the old head crew that seems to do well at Colonial year in and year out. Did we miss anybody, Tambo? I don't think so. We talked a lot. And, I, again, just trying to get it so you guys can – Take it from what, you know, take the information, do with it what you will and try and apply some theory or some strategy to it when you're building your lineups to go after that million bucks this week. Or if you're not going after that, I mean, there's, you know, it can be a bankroll killer. There are a ton of great GPPs and there's a $4.20 max, a $3.20 max, the $5.150, the $9.150. Like there's just so many uh, good tournaments out there this week on DraftKings that you can check out. All right. Sounds good. Let's move to the betting segment, uh, segment today. Tambo, who do you got? I got a, a few here. So Xander, 28 to 1. I got Rose 40 to one. These are the ones I picked up early. A couple other people sort of were on them and I, I did like their numbers. I think you could have even got Rose at 45. It changed back afterwards. Uh, Woodland. I love the number. I got 50 to one with an each way top five. I got answer 80 to one with each way top five. And then my two bombs would be Grillo at 150 to one with the each way top five. And then Brendan Todd 160 to one with the each way top five. All right. So like I said earlier, I'm going wrong 12 to one. Uh, the start off just the hedge because I think I want to fade him in uh, DFS. So we're going Rom 12 to one um, Rose 40 to one Leishman 40 to one Woodland 50 to one English 80 to one. And I'm going Phil hundred to one as well. So those are my six. Right on. All right. Any, anything we missed today, Tambo? No, I think we hit it all. It's good. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, let's hope somebody gets lucky if it's not us. Yeah, let's tell them where they can find you. Yeah, rotogrinders.com, guys. Head on over there. Talked about it earlier at the top of the show. Rotogrinders.com slash DGEN. Don't need to use a promo coding. That's just the site that will give you the discount. So it's $10 off the first month or $50 off for the year. Going to have some good, you know, unique content out this week. It's going to be the first time. So we'll see how it goes. And I'll, I'll definitely want to have some feedback from everybody when they check it out. But myself and Notorious will be on Wednesday using Lineup HQ to sort of build a pool for both DraftKings and FanDuel get down to some builds, what that looks like for the week and have some fun that way. Other than that, follow me on Twitter at toe tag and Tambo. I'm going to announce on there the winner of the $550 ticket for DraftKings this week. And that should get credited 
uh, within the next 24 hours after this comes out, just so you have a heads up. If not, just let me know. All right, that sounds good. You can find me at gupscorner.com. My course preview, trends, stats to look for, and strategy article is already posted on the site. You know, you get, you get Gup's ownership percentages, uh, ownership projections. You get uh, his rankings. You get uh, the Slack chat. It's a great value. Go out there, go on gupscorner.com uh, and get yourself a little membership there. And you can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. All right, guys. It's a brand new season, sort of. Let's go ahead and do this. And let's win some motherfucking money, DJ Nation. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families. But more is needed. We need housing healthcare, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org.